0: It's going down.
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here. Whatever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh, and I'm joined as always by the one and only Mister Finley Martin Finn. How are you today,
0: Kenny? I'm doing really well. I'm back from my holiday. Uh, the issue- Oh, you reach reach. Um, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I was watching a bit of wrestling when I was away, so you know what it's like when you go away for a week or more. You Come back, and there's this mountain of wrestling. So, but I was keeping up with it in the interim. So, you know, I feel like I'm on top of things. I know what's going on, you know, possibly for the first time in my life. (laughs) Um, And also uh, the latest issue of Inside the Ropes magazine arrived at the Martin residence today. So I was really pleased to see that. So that goes on sale this Thursday. Subscribers hopefully should have it either today or tomorrow, but certainly by Thursday, I would have said. But uh, yeah, it looks really good, Kenny. So... uh, So yeah, it looks uh, very striking.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, we're we're on issue thirty-five now, and I feel like as we kind of keep going with this, we're just kind of striving every time to do, you know, as as good if not a better job than the previous issue, and that's a great place to be in, Um, you know, because it feels like just you know yesterday issue two or three was coming out, and now it's issue thirty-five, so it's it's wild that. It's uh, evolving as it is. So, yeah. Well, yeah, nearly
0: three years. So, yeah. um,
1: you know, so we can do simple addition on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so uh, do go check out com for that. Um, but listen, we said last week that we would give... Usually, obviously, we talk about Ron Smackdown because on, on Patreon, Sondra and Robert cover uh, AEW. But we, we need to give a mention to... Uh, Blood and guts from last week, which was a fifty-one minute blood and guts match that took place with the Blackpool Combat Club against the Elite. So, Finn, I've got to ask you, um, what did you make of the kind of the presentation of it? Um, And you know, you've watched all the original War Games, so you are, you know, in some ways way more uh, experienced in War Games than I am. So, what did you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's gonna be. That's got to be the longest ever, right? Fifty-one minutes. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I mean we thought those those war games matches at uh, Survivor Series last year were long, and they were. And this was like what ten minutes longer or thereabouts. So I mean, the good news was you have got the ad breaks. They're good and bad, aren't they? Because I mean, I did notice that the young Books applied a double submission hold on Pack. Just as they went to a commercial break, I mean, what a time to insert a commercial break! Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know everything was just the you know, submission hole really had no bearing on the rest of the match when we uh, returned from commercial break. But the commercial breaks were actually welcome
1: to me because the match was so long. How did you feel about the commercial breaks, Kenny? Um, I mean, it was it was a it was weird because in some ways. You know you did you didn't get to see the action, but in some ways it gave you a break that you kind of needed yeah. But then in another way, it was kind of prolonging the agony so yeah, I mean I you know i for me personally fifty one minutes is a long period of time. I'm not saying you can't do a fifty one minute match well, but I just think there was a long time where stuff was happening that just felt like it 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 didn't feel that there was a lot of kind of uh your emotional Wrestling fandom was not being tugged at during the match. It was just kind of weapons and fights and brawls. Yeah,
0: it just went on and on. I mean, it was, I mean, like Abdullah Moxley, he used a fork on Omega and Page. <laughs> we had glass drawing pins, the bed of nails. I believe that was a first for AEW. Yeah,
1: have they ever done a bed of nails before? I mean, there might have been one in the the mock in one of the Moxley Omega like lights out matches or something but not that i can remember anything
0: so we had the bed of nails which was you know wing iwa japan from like 93 to 95 that's where i first saw beds of nails in pro wrestling table chairs i mean at one point the fans were chanting we want fire did you catch that
1: i did i did i mean is that happily no one got set on fire in this match I mean, is that a good sign or a bad sign? That they're asking for fire. I don't know. It's a really bad
0: sign because it shows that they're not emotionally attached. You know, you go back to best war games ever, Wrestle War '92, and no one's chanting for tables. Or I mean, I know tables weren't really used certainly in WCW at that point. They've been used. They had been used in Memphis, ECW. I think. Well, ECW was very much in its infancy then, so they weren't. You renowned for using tables. So tables weren't really a thing in pro wrestling. But basically people were so engrossed in the action between Dangerous Alliance and Sting Squadron that they weren't shouting for anything. They were just like, couldn't wait to see the next person come in so you could start pummeling the guy. And then, you know, it was all action. It was really fast moving and everything happened for a reason. This just felt like a procession of sort of sequences. Well, we've got to do that next. Well, we've got to do that next. And then in order to top that, we now need to have, someone on top of the cage pouring drawing pins or thumbtacks through the top of the cage onto the mat so we can have the thumbtack spot. And it just felt like, you know, it's it like, almost like a box ticking exercise. That's what it felt like to me. It's um, like something like a big chart worked out, right? What are we going to do? Tick. Yeah, we need to do that. Tick. Oh, we got 51 minutes. We need to do that. Tick. And that's what it felt like. It's, I mean, of course... He worked really hard, but we always say this about the NXT and the WWE war games matches. They're really long. The effort that goes into them is Herculean. Of course it is, but it to me it's just excessive. I mean, it's just surplus to requirements. I mean this this could have been this would have been a better match if it had been twenty seven minutes, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of you know, like I'm I'm pretty sure um, that this reference is, is correct, but. I know with with the Angels in America play that was in the US for a while, that one of the versions of that was at least four hours long, if not longer. It was five or six hours. And it's like you can praise the the actors in that for the, the their uh, endurance to do that, but it's not enjoyable to sit there for that long. And with this, it was like they were all do they were all working really hard, like you say, but yeah, for me it didn't really click. Um, but then the, the the feud itself for me has not really clicked either. Um no. I, you know, I didn't care we won. I just did not care. I was just looking forward to it being over. I was <laughs> looking yeah. forward to, to moving on to, to you know, because, you know, the Takeshita and Omega stuff, for example, which is pretty interesting. That kind of it didn't feel as big a part of the match as it should have been because that no. was, and that felt more interesting. You know, I said this with Sandra uh, or Robert, I can't, one of them, but like, and I stand by it. One of the issues for me with the Blackpool Combat Club and Elite Feud is that, you know, Arguably, the only moment that played out on TV that was a real storyline moment was when Paige sort of stood with Omega for the first time after like months of being, you know, on, on the opposite sides. But even then, Paige never cut a promo after that. We never got a reason. We never got him talking about, you know, how he had to save his former friends. You know, we didn't get any of that stuff. And I think that, you know, wrestling fans in 2023 do still want that kind of stuff. You know, you look at the Adam Cole and MJF stuff. Silly as a lot of it is, it's connecting with a lot of people because it's they're doing some some story stuff. They're doing some stuff where there's there's people on location, they're doing different things. It's not just, you know, these long matches um with the expectation that people are gonna stick with them for months and months and months. So um yeah, the blood the blood and guts is another I mean, I'm hoping that this November WWE are not gonna give us war games again. The Survivors. Yes. They've not yeah. announced it.
0: Yeah, Hopefully. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it again. I just don't. I mean, you know, maybe do it once every few year, few years when a feud requires it. Almost like Hell in a Cell, yeah. when the feud needs the stip or the gimmick match, use the gimmick match. You know, but you know, the gimmick match has to fit the feud,
1: not making the feud fit the gimmick match because it just usually, usually doesn't work that way around, does it? No. and even like in the nineties when WCW were doing, it, and a lot of times maybe the feud wasn't big enough. At least it was only a twenty-minute main event. It wasn't like it ever outstayed its welcome that much, or it would never went that long that that it was something you dreaded. So yeah, uh, I mean, it did a good, it, it did a decent enough rating for them. But I mean, it didn't do as well as Blood and Guts did the previous year, um, with the the Jericho Appreciation Society and. Was it the Blackpool Combat Club again? I think it was. Yeah, it was gay because it was Claudio and, and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll be back next year. Um, and like in the end, Pack and Takista, they just
0: abandoned ship, didn't they? So yeah. Golden Elite beat, at the end, beat three guys, yeah. not five.
1: Um,
0: you know, yeah. I watched it last night. I watched, I watched it last night. I was like... I'm gonna to have to go back and watch some of it again because I can't remember it. All sort of blended together. And um, so I made a lot of notes. But yeah, two guys just left before the end of the match. So, in a sense, five baby faces. I know they were there for most of the match, but at the end, five baby faces defeated three villains, one of whom John Moxie had been handcuffed to the ropes. And um, Paige and Matt Jackson choked out Utah with a chain for the win. I believe after the match, there was a handshake. I don't think it wasn't broadcast, but I believe in the arena, there was a handshake.
1: And the feud's now over, I believe. Is that I, what you read as well? I didn't read about a the handshake, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it, it happened. And, and the feud is over. I've heard that. So that kind of correlates with that for sure. I did want to ask you before we move on, because it was something that was stirring up a lot of conversation online. was... Um, some footage from after Blood and Guts went off the air of Kota Ibushi uh, sort of bumping onto the bed of nails and jumping up and set on it a few times. And I've seen, you know, some people who are familiar with Ibushi and are big fans of his kind of say, well, you know, he's a bit wacky and, you know, this is the kind of stuff that he does. Other people who are maybe not familiar with him or don't enjoy him are kind of using that as a way to bash him. I mean, do you think it matters if he's doing that off off air? Does it? Yeah, of course he does. Well, I've got, I've got to ask the question, Fred. I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate briefly. <laughs> well, I suppose
0: you could say, well, this is the guy that had the matches with the blow-up doll. You, was it Yoshiko? Yish- Yoshiko.
1: Sounds right, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that was in DDT, which was, you know, a very different type of promotion and still is a different type of promotion. So, I mean, you could say after that, Nothing he could do in a wrestling ring w- would be regarded as ridiculous because he'd already, you know, reached the heights or the depths of of absurd absurdity in those matches, uh, which he absolutely did. Um, but no, you should not be doing that. I mean, not in front of the audience. I mean, that's just I just can't understand why someone would do that. I mean, it's supposed to be the ultimate like killer gimmick. You hit the bed of nails, and it's agonizing pain. You know why would you do that to yourself? I mean, even John Moxley, you know, the masochist wouldn't do that to himself, would he?
1: Not voluntarily. No, I mean, because one maybe. of the things that you kind of need to ask about it is, if you're going to do that, and so say say that as your your gimmick, where you're a bit wacky and you're a bit kind of you know whatever, but still, like, you, surely you want to sell the gravitas of what we just watched. Yes, even in the arena, you know, like you want to sell that, you know, because if you're if if you're telling us even in the arena, bed and nails don't really hurt, then what's the point? You know, like it doesn't really, then it doesn't mean anything. So, but uh, exactly, it
0: just doesn't. It just makes a mockery of of this killer gimmick that that people have fallen on in the match. Like Omega landed on it and sold it like he was in agonizing pain. I mean. <laughs> It's not, I mean, it's just not a difficult concept to grasp, is it? But
1: I just don't know really what to say. I
0: think I've said enough.
1: Uh, let's move on to SmackDown from this past week. Um, we had a fair amount of things on the show that were noteworthy. with we the four-way uh, US title invitational match with Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, Cameron Grimes and LA Knight. And in the end, it was Rey Mysterio who got the win. He pinned Cameron Grimes. Um, so it'll be Mysterio and Santos Escobar facing off next week now I believe, or this week I believe that the title match Please. that that winner has against Austin Theory is not going to be on SummerSlam oh. is what's been put out there so uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that in there but I mean, I know obviously everybody wanted Ellie Knight to win it us included but maybe if the, the winner's not facing Theory at SummerSlam we still have a bit of hope
0: yeah, I mean I've reached the point now with, with with Knight where it's probably time to stop making predictions because all the predictions I've made recently about him have not come true. So, yeah, I mean, the audience, I mean, they led us to believe, and LA Knight led us to believe, uh, with his might work before the match, that he was going to win. At least he wasn't pinned at the end. It was Cameron Grimes. So there is still hope. Um, But it was a bit odd, wasn't it, that they um, the kind of teased us and – you know, they dangled that carrot in front of us again, only to cruelly pull it away, as they have done previously. Um yeah, it was it was, I mean, it was a strange match, wasn't it? Because Cameron Grimes was, I mean, it was actually four baby faces, wasn't it? So Grimes was in a tough spot as this newcomer babyface who was attacking people and beating up all the veteran faces, and LA Knight, who of course is also a veteran. Um even though he's not been on the main roster for long. And Knight was so popular. So Grimes was in a really tough spot in this match, a no-win situation for him. I did read some criticism online of his performance, but I thought he did quite well. It was a long match, there was lots to remember. And I thought he did um, pick up well towards the end. Uh, Theory he was at ringside. They must not have liked his commentary, his previous commentary, because they didn't let him anywhere near commentary, did they, Kenny?
1: No, they did did not.
0: He must not like that commentary. Um, I mean, they have on commentary, you know, later, but not Austin Theory. So uh, Santos Escobar came out to counteract Austin Theory when he got involved through Ray into the ring steps. Um, And then in the end, as you said, um, it was... um, it was uh, Escobar who, who uh, sorry, Ray who scored the pin. And then Escobar and Ray shook hands afterwards, and they will have the match. The US Championship Invitational Final will take place this Friday on SmackDown. So, yeah, it was, you sort of get the sense, you know, that is this going to be like the moment where Escobar begins his turn on Ray? Because they were getting on famously there, weren't they? And yep. can Continue after one loses. Mm, we'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, I mean the thing with LA Knight that does give me, uh, yeah, I don't think it's cause means it was not a cause for concern as he didn't take the pinfall here, you know. Which if they didn't have any plans for him, they probably wouldn't have cared if he'd taken the pinfall here. Um, yes, but yeah, he's still he's planned to be. There's rumours that he has planned to be on SummerSlam in some form. So um, we'll, we'll keep our hopes up for that one. Um. We also on the yeah. show had um, Charlotte taking on E.O. Sky, which was quite rough at the beginning. It did get going towards the end. Charlotte won with the natural selection. And then afterwards, Asuka uh, attacked Charlotte and beat her up. I've got to say, Finn, I mean, if this is how the natural selection is going to look, Charlotte Flair needs to stop doing that move. Because this Ooh. one looked diabolical.
0: It did look poor and this match was a huge disappointment until the end. I mean, they gave them loads of time and the flow wasn't there. It was like there's these communication problems and they're standing there looking at each other, right? What are we are going to do next? I can't remember. You know, it's as if they're like, you know, telepathically communicating that to each other. And it was clunky, wasn't it? For so much of its duration. And yeah. this must have been a real disappointment for Tiffany Stratton who was in the crowd watching and Stratton, you know, the reason she's a wrestler is because of Charlotte Flair. You know, Charlotte, you know, she looked up to Charlotte Flair. Wow. This woman is amazing. I want to be a wrestler. I want to be like Charlotte Flair. She was there in the crowd. There was a few other uh NXTers there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I've got to say Kenny, ever since Charlotte Flair returned, has she had a good match. yet? Yeah. There's been some really rough matches. I mean, that bout with, um, Be not Bianca, Bianca. with Asuka in uh, London the night before Money in the Bank. That should have been a hell of a lot better than it was. And this against EO is really good. I mean, another big letdown, in my opinion. And she just, I don't know whether it is a heart not in it anymore. It seems like she's still into it, but it just didn't flow. It didn't feel like moves just, you know, happen naturally. It was like really all this hesitation, which, you know, was not, you know, this is uncharacteristic. Of the old Charlotte Flair, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it, it feels different. I mean, hopefully the three-way at SummerSlam with Asuka and Bianca is going to deliver. Um, if that doesn't, we've got problems because yeah. there's no reason that shouldn't do well. Um, but yeah, it was it was not great. I, th- I think it did pick up um, yeah. later on, but I mean, that natural selection was just... You know, because then ewa has got to sell that that's what's taken her out in the end and she barely even hit her. Yeah, you know,
0: um, yeah. You it did seem like Eo was too low on the move, so maybe actually that was Eo's fault because she needs to be higher up so that when Charlotte hits the flip, it looks like Eo's head hits the mat really hard, and she was sat too close to the mat. And when Aska came in, that that was really fluid that sequence where in which she beat Charlotte Flair up, and that did look good. That looked really professional. But uh, yeah, I, I was I was really disappointed by this match.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, the, the spot for me that was one of the worst was on the outside when Io was trying to do the Hercurana to Charlotte. Didn't even connect with her, and then Charlotte has to do the flip. Yeah. And you like, oh, my God. It's like, it, that's not something that belongs on SmackDown with Charlotte Flair. like Exactly.
0: And it's like I, I always think one guy who's, or one person who's really good um, at not overselling things when moves don't hit correctly is Damien Priest. He's really good at it. And when somebody hits some, somebody hits him with like a drop kick that doesn't quite hit fully or a move that doesn't look quite right, he doesn't oversell. He undersells it. And it's like you can see he's like telepathically saying to the person, do it again or do something else. And when you do it right, then I'll sell it properly. And that looks more realistic. And you're right. That particular spot looks so bad. And the camera was right there. And a lot of the time with WWE and their TV programs, their camera work is very sympathetic and it conceals a lot of the flaws. And it was like the camera was in the wrong spot nearly every time, and it made all the bad spots look worse. So Charlotte really needs to up her game. She really does. Um, I mean, I mean, she had the match with Rhea, didn't she, at WrestleMania. It was a hell of a match. Yeah. An incredible match. And some people said the best match of WrestleMania. I don't think it was the best, best match at WrestleMania, but it was an awesome performance by both. And ever since she's returned, it's just been, it's just like she hasn't got that same sort of energy and commitment and, you know, dynamic sort of approach to her work. She just feels like she's, I don't want to say phoning it in, but it just kind of does feel ever so slightly half-hearted to me.
1: Um, well, let's move on to the next thing. So um, I did something that I don't know if you caught on SmackDown, but it really tickled me. So... In a second, we'll talk about Dominic Mysterio becoming the new uh, NXT North American champion, which happened last week on NXT. But he's there, you know, all happy with Via Ripley. And then Butch walks up and wants to face Dominic, you know, since they're in Orlando. And Shawn Michaels shows up to sort of okay the match. And he's very close to going, so tonight it's going to be Dominic Mysterio for the North American title against Pete Butch. And at the last second before he was about to say Pete Dunn, he said Butch. And it was so funny to see Michaels with a deer-caught-in-the-headlights look (laughs) last second. Oh, it really tickled me. Um, I mean, maybe it was
0: Sean's protest against the name change.
1: Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe if we said it on SmackDown, we'd we'd get rid of Butch. Um, I mean, what what do you think about putting the North American title on Dominic Mysterio? Um, Obviously beat Wesley on last week's episode. Actually, I actually tuned in and watched the episode um, and thought that... uh, the match had a lot of heat to it. People were really shocked when Wesley lost the belt to Dom. Um, do you think it's a good move to put the belt on him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the judgment day seemed genuinely
0: moved by it all. I mean, the audience, there was some amazing, you know, crowd shots. You know, it's like someone there with a head in their hands. People were just like slack-jawed, gobsmacked. Couldn't believe that Wes, had, you know, I think made more North American talent defences than anyone else. I'm sure he did. Um, so he held the belt for a very long time, and you know this celebrated champion. And Dominic just waltzed in, made the challenge, and uh, Wes, as a proud babyface, of course, had to accept. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed the match. I mean, it was all the judgment they were involved at the finish in some form or fashion, in distractions or actually, you know, nailing Wes. So Wes had his, you know, excuses for the loss. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a, a really big moment in Dominic Mysterio's career. It was his first singles championship in WWE. And um, yeah, it felt like a real, a really big moment for him and for NXT. And I think it'll be a big moment for Wesley as well, eventually. I think he'll come out of this really well uh, in the long run. But, um, but yeah, yeah, really good. And uh, really pleased to see... Uh, Dominic on uh, SmackDown defending the belt against Butch. Um, and I thought, you know, I thought he did well there. I thought Dominic, I actually thought Dominic had an incredible, oh, last week, ever since last Tuesday, what a week he's had. Face, yep. You know, won the belt from Wesley, faced Butch on SmackDown, faced Sami Zayn on Raw. I mean, this
1: has been a killer week for uh, Don Mysterio, hasn't it? Yeah, huge, huge week for him. He's done really well. I also really enjoyed when he was facing Butch, the um, appearance of Pretty Deadly. And uh yeah. Elton Prince in the wheelchair, you know, for his for his, his uh, arm injury, which is a great touch, you know, a yes, great heel touch.
0: shoulder. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, it happened. They showed us how it happened on a uh, a backdrop from Ridge Holland. So uh yeah, I imagine this is another tough one for Ridge. Um, so yeah, Elton Prince came out in the wheelchair; that was really funny. And then Mysterio beat Butch. Uh, Rhea Ripley, of course. Interfered before the finish, but uh, that was a really nice segment. Great to see Deadly still on TV, even though Elton Prince is injured, which just shows you that the company is absolutely behind them, and rightly so. You know, I think they're a really good act.
1: Uh, and then the main event segment on SmackDown was Jay Uso coming out um for the terms of what was it called? Terms of engagement. Rules of Engagement Rules of Engagement for. Uh... You know, the big the the, the match that Rogus saw is demanding from Roman. Um we got a big back and forth with them. Um and this is an interesting segment. They they didn't go in the way that you would think this was gonna go with them just, you know, brawling. There was lots of emotional turmoil between them. What did you think of the main event the segment?
0: Um, yeah, it was again different, and it just shows you that the the well of ideas for the bloodline seems to be endless. And you think wow, they've exhausted you know, the supply and then they do something new. And you're like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a change. And I, I really liked uh, a little segment earlier in the show, wasn't it a segment, just a back, backstage shot of Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman in the uh, dressing room. And none of them said anything, but we knew what they were thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's when your characters are over. That's when your characters are developed. And they can interact each, with each other in a, in such a way that you know what they're all thinking, and no one even says anything. I mean, that's just brilliant. That is peak. That is virtuo. That's virtuoso level pro wrestling, um, and that's what this is. And that's why the ratings are so high. I mean, this did like the highest rating ever for a SmackDown on FS uh, One. One yeah. point two three million viewers, like much higher than any episode of. SmackDown, that's previously been broadcast on FS1. Uh, but yeah, Reigns was out there and he was full of himself. Um, Reigns referred to Jay as Little Jay. He asked him if he was still wanted to do this, and Jay confirmed that he did still want the match. Uh, they mentioned that Jimmy is still in hospital. Those hospital bills, Kenny, they must be <laughs> racking up for Jimmy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so Reigns signed the contract. And then Jay tore the contract up and said, we don't need it because it's going to be tribal combat. I mean, prior to this, Reigns was looking really smug, self-satisfied, confident. This was going to be, you know, a walk in the park for him. And then when Jay said it was going to be tribal combat, uh, Reigns said, do the elders know about this? And Jay said the elders suggested it. Um, So, um, yeah, it was uh, Reigns was like really taken aback by this. Um, so it's not only um, for the Undisputed Championship, it's for the title of Tribal Chief as well. So it's winner takes all, isn't winner it? Winner
1: takes all, yeah. No, it, I mean, it was another great segment. And, you know, to your point, I'm glad you brought it up. I forgot to mention it. The great thing about that backstage segment they did earlier in the show um, is when they were sitting there saying nothing, like you said, Solo is looking at the, is it the lay? I think it was called, the thing that Roman puts around his neck. Yeah, that's right. And, and Roman catches him looking. And then Solo looks at him and just kind of nods along as if, as if everything's fine. And Romans then sort of conveying, "Oh my god, you you want to be the tribal chief?" Yeah. But and and, and all this stuff happens with not like you say, not a word said, but it feels like you got all this story stuff in this one segment. So
0: yeah, there's all this underlying tension there, which which is sort of not stated but is known and acknowledged. You have got Haman in the backs in the background. And he just looks really concerned because, you know, he's alert and he's sharp and he knows what's going on. He understands the psychology Mm -hmm. of all these, you know, glances and everything and what it all means. And he's just hoping that this thing doesn't fall apart because, you know, if Reigns loses the title and the title of Tribal Chief, then where does that leave him? We know he's all about self-preservation. And, you know, throughout the final segment, uh, Jay was wearing a T-shirt which read The Real Chief on the front of it. So, I mean, that was a nice touch as well. And then after they'd agreed to the match uh, under tribal combat rules, you know, they shook hands and sort of like, what would you say? Sort of,
1: I don't know. They kind of put their heads against each other. And they yes. kind of, it was it was like almost like a, you know, we are we are the family, we are doing this. It was like a confirmation they were going to do it. Of, yeah, it's hard to, it's like putting their heads together for like a cuddle almost, which was weird. Um, yes. But, but weirdly it worked. It worked. Absolutely. It was yeah, It's it like this little
0: sort of almost this little affectionate moment between relatives, wasn't it? Yeah. Before they engage in this, you know, f- you know fight to the, obviously not fight to the death because it's pro wrestling, but this, you know, you know, major battle, you know. Yeah.
1: Winner, winner take all, like you say. And th- the thing as well that Solo is, Roman needs solo in the story. So it makes sense why he doesn't just call him out on you know this other stuff that's kind of that we see bubbling in the background.
0: Yeah, and then and then after they did this, Solo tried to nail Jay with the Samoan spike, and Ren stopped him from doing so because you know they'd entered into this agreement. There probably won't be any more contact now until some Muslim, I imagine. I, mean, I could be wrong about that, but it seemed like that was the agreement that you know, we'll, you know, we'll not fight until SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, so Sokoa was going to nail Jay with a spike and Rain stopped him. And then Jay leveled Solo with a super kick and then Reigns and Solo and Heyman retreated. And yeah, that was the end of the segment. So um, yeah, furthered it, advanced it again in a way that I think probably most of us weren't expecting.
1: Yeah. it's It was, yeah, fantastic stuff. And uh, I'm, it feels like a really big main event, even though, like, if you really were to ask all of us, we don't believe that Jey so is going to win the title. But these these guys are so good at making you believe when you're watching it, and making you suspend your disbelief that it'll be, you know, I've got no worries on the night they're going to deliver. So, yeah, um, let's move on to Raw. Um, we had an opening segment with uh, Dominic. Who I mean, the heat that Dominic has got is just unreal. You know he, he can barely speak. Um, the crowd just hate him, but they love to hate him. Um, and it, it all ends up with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming out to interrupt and sets up a match with Dominic against Sami Zayn. Um, and part of what part of the reason they set this up is because Kevin Owens has a legitimate injury, which he has been working through. So they had to do something to kind of uh, fix it for him. <laughs> you know, give him some time off to deal yeah. with it. So. Um, Apparently it's a fractured rib that he's got and he's been working on it for a while. Oh, I bet that's painful. Yeah, I mean, that's rough. Um, And it's one of those things, where Dave Meltzer said in The Observer, that it was one of those things where they were waiting for a time to finish up whatever they needed to finish up. I don't know if they were always going to do this angle, but they were going to do something. He's going to get a rest. So at least for a little while, Owens is going to be out. And, you know, by having the judgment day, seemingly having attacked him backstage, it kind of gives you that out.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, But uh, yes, we had that on the show. um, But we did also have uh, Zoe Stark, predictably, uh, taking a loss to Becky Lynch, even though Trish Stratus did try to help uh, her comrade defeat Becky. So Becky now has the win and will get the shot at Trish at SummerSlam. Uh, I I, I wasn't blown away by the whole thing this week with, with Becky, Trish and Zoe, but I guess... With Zoe being more of a focal point, maybe she just wasn't ready to kind of give us as big a moment as we've been getting the other weeks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually thought I thought Lynch versus Start was was solid. I mean, it was uh it seemed like a huge improvement on uh, Charlotte Flair versus E.O. Sky. Um, and um, I mean, to me, it looked like Lynch was in genuine peril a few times. It was a really good spot where uh, Trish Stratus, I think, head butted Lynch with the Face mask on and threw her back in the ring, and then Lynch kicked out the uh, Zoe Stark's cover and Trish like overreacting at ringside. So I, th- I thought Zoe was given a lot of offense here. She does that amazing springboard drop kick, which you know always looks really good. And she, I think, at the end she tried it again for a second time, didn't she? And that was Lynch had kind of anticipating it, and she hit the manhandle slam for the one, two, three. So I, I thought the match was was actually really good. So I was really, really pleased with it. Actually, it didn't overstay its welcome. And um, I thought he did everything it was supposed to do. I thought Dominic in the opening segment was really good. Judgment Day opened the show, and Dominic came out separately, and then he did the, the mic work and the people booed him, and then Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn came out, and then that led to Sami Zayn issuing a challenge to Dominic Mysterio for a match later on the program.
1: Yeah. Uh, we also got Cody Rhodes doing a promo but Brock Lesnar. Uh, Brock's going to be on the Go Home Show next week. But, you know, they they had him come out and do something to kind of uh, keep it going. Still no stipulation added to the match. Uh, I wonder if we'll get that on the Go Home Show next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe not, because we know that Jay versus Roman Reigns is going to be, you know, it's going to be under, it's going to be tribal combat. Um, yeah. So we know that's going to be loads of weapons and things like that. So maybe they'll just save all the extras for the main event. That is something they have done before. But yeah. maybe maybe it would be Last Man Standing or something like that. I'm
1: not sure. I mean, one thing that WWE have been quite good at, and this is not a knock on AEW, which it sounds like I'm about to make one, but I mean, I think what WWE usually are quite good at is if they have a big match that's going to have, you know, Lots going on, uh, you know, with weapons or with no rules or whatever. They don't tend to overload that on a card anymore, especially no. in the Triple H era. I know it used to happen under Vince where we would have a lot of it. And I think Triple H just kind of veered away from that, which is good. So, yes, yeah, I think if they're going to, if Jay and Roman are going to be very sort of outside the normal rules, then I think that it'd be smart to not have Cody and Brock do the exact same thing. So... Um, yes, I think that's I think that's the way they'll play it, yeah. Uh so Dom did beat Sami Zayn in that North American title match, which is a you know, big win for Dom. I will say this, I do Sami Zayn is losing a lot now. He is losing a lot of matches and and maybe it doesn't matter, but I think that it would be nice to see at some point a little bit of care back into the Sami Zayn character because he does seem miles away from the guy who was kind of facing rains in February. So Maybe this Kevin Owens injury will actually be good for Zane because they'll be able to put some focus on him on his own.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... um, I mean, the thing is, with Sami Zane and Kevin Owens, as we said last week, Kenny, they don't have any challenges, do they?
1: No, they've got none. So, I mean, even kind of, if you were to think about... I mean, if Owens, say Owens is out two months, right? And then they come back. By that point, maybe... The street profits with Lashley will have kind of taken off. And at that point, they've got some challengers, but yeah, there's not there's not a lot. And I mean, it's yeah, I, I don't. And they've still got the two belts that they carry each, which kind of feels a bit redundant now. So you know, because every other yeah. belt has kind of changed. There's not a there's no version of a raw belt or a SmackDown belt anymore. So it feels quite dated that they both carry around a blue and red belt each.
0: Maybe they're waiting for whomever defeats them and then they'll present them with just like one unified title. But, yeah. I mean, there again, Paul Heyman's still carrying around the two belts, isn't he?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so I don't really
0: understand that. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on Sami Zayn and Kevin and Kevin Owens as well. I mean, they don't have any challenges. I mean, maybe, Kevin Owens being injured, there's really no point trying to create a tag team challenger at the moment. Um, because... It's then just going to draw attention to the fact that Kevin Owens can't wrestle. But I'm with you on Sami Zayn. He does feel like he's diminished. His star has fallen since February. I mean, it was always going to. And, you know, Zayn and Owens' stars have also fallen since WrestleMania, which I think was also going to happen. Um, but I'd like, when Owens is ready to return, let's have a really strong challenger team ready to go yeah. to challenge them and then start putting the emphasis on them again. I mean, they're still over. I mean, they've been having some really good matches, haven't they, on Raw in recent weeks. So they're like a six-man with the Judgment Day, which was tremendous when the team with Seth Rollins that week. That was a hell
1: of a match, wasn't it? Yep, or was yep. it uh, also the team with Cody as well one week, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they they as champs are, are a fun act. It's just like you say, when there's no challengers, it sh- it shows. You know, that you can't really do much with the division. So, um yeah, I hope that and and with Owens, it's like how long is he out? You know, it's. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what fractured ribs. How long that? How long you need to rest? Um, but we'll see. Um, can you mm. even on SmackDown? I, no, I have no idea. I, I would think he'll probably
0: be back, maybe after SummerSlam. I mean, these wrestlers, I mean, they are tough. Let's be honest. I mean, they just work through injuries that mere mortals never could or would. So yeah, because
1: uh, Seth, Seth Rollins was on Logan Paul's impulsive podcast and he was saying that he's had a back injury that he's been working through since 2019 wow and he knows he knows that the surgery is probably what he needs to get but he's been working it off and it's like if i've got a cold for a week i'm complaining this guy's <laughs> had, a, this guy's had you know, a back injury for four years um but uh it's
0: it's just the mentality isn't it and yeah he i mean i'm sure Maybe maybe after this run ends, you know, it would not surprise me if he lost that belt at SummerSlam, even if it's only temporarily. Um, certainly after, well, we'll get to the closing segment in a moment, but it kind of feels like maybe it's going to be Finn Balor's night at SummerSlam. So maybe after this run is over, he'll have the surgery.
1: Um, elsewhere on the show, we also had, um, as you predicted, you know, you talk earlier on, your early, early night prediction not going right. You know what, prediction did go right, and you've said this for weeks now. Rhea Ripley taking out Liv Morgan. You called it, it happened here. We were going to get the match. We didn't even need a match. We just had Rhea Ripley beating the absolute crap out of Liv Morgan. Um, you know, she put her left arm in the chair, stomped on it, told Liv to have fun in rehab. Um, so we assume next week Raquel is going to turn up and do that big beat down to set up the Summerslam title match.
0: Yes, I would say so. Yes, she did the uh, the arm in the chair thing once, and then you know, the trainer turned up and Morgan selling it, I in agonizing pain, and then Ripley did it a second time. So we didn't get the Ripley versus Morgan match, which I was pleased about because I think this angle achieved more than a match would have done in terms of making Ripley seem positively evil. Uh, Raquel wasn't there because of what had happened the previous week but as you said she's going, surely going to be there next week to issue the challenge for the SummerSlam match um, you know we talked about this last week and this is a big match for both certainly for Raquel I can't imagine she's going to beat Ripley because Ripley's just on fire right now and it'd just be crazy to take the belt off her um, but it doesn't matter as long as she has a really good match that's all that
1: matters Uh we we are next week going to get a singles match with Maxine Dupree and Valhalla. So we're keeping the the Viking Raiders and Alpha Academy stuff going. <laughs> to the delight of us, Finn.
0: Actually, I actually made a comment in the magazine about this. So you could just read about that later in the week.
1: <laughs> there you go. I look forward to it. Um, but uh, yeah, so then we had Ricochet coming out uh, to talk to Logan Paul. Um, he calls out Paul. Who comes out, Logan Paul's obviously, you know, kind of big league in him. Ricochet challenges him to a match at SummerSlam. Uh, Logan Paul's got his phone on, and then Ricochet just uh, hits him, you know, kicks him from behind and then does a kind of a uh, flip splash thing that he usually does. I don't know what you call it. Um, and yeah, the match is on for SummerSlam, so they're going to face off. I think Ricochet did about as well as he could do. And he's not a promo guy. We've not seen him be a promo guy. But he came out and he gave it a really solid effort, I thought.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, Ricochet said that everyone knew that Logan Paul didn't belong there. The fans knew it. The people in the audience knew it. Um, Ricochet then challenged Paul to a match. Said that Paul was arrogant. uh, Challenged him to a match at SummerSlam. And then Paul appeared from out of nowhere, blindsided Ricochet. But spent so long celebrating the attack with his phone, filming it all the while that Ricochet recovered and then beat down Paul. And uh, Paul was there filming <laughs> the phone there, filming it as uh, Ricochet, you know, nailed him. So that was really funny. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why I was amused by this. The fact that Paul just kept the phone going the entire time, oh. for some reason just cracked me up. Um and, uh, yeah, I'm pleased they're going to have the match at SummerSlam. I think Paul should win this one. I don't think Ricochet should win it. I mean, Paul, let's face it, usually loses. Certainly lost to Rollins, didn't win at Money in the Bank, nor should he have done, lost to Reigns. I think he's the one. He should beat Ricochet. But they can they can have a heck of a match. Um, and if that if they have that amazing match, which, let's face it, given their track records, the to
1: that'll be really good for Ricochet as well, even if he doesn't win. Um and, and we also, I, I did mean to ask you, were you happy to see that WWE have shelled out the, the cash for Born To Be Wild as the official SummerSlam theme tune?
0: Yeah, Cactus Jack's old theme in ECW. Can't mm-hmm. imagine that Paul Heyman shelled out the cash for that back in the ECW days, Born To Be Wild. Nothing. Yeah, classic track. And um, yeah, I think it's really good. You know, it's, Obviously, it's Detroit. It's got like a, you know, Motor City theme, you know, with the vehicles and, you know, it's, you know, classic uh, Heavy Metal Thunder. Apparently the song that coined the phrase Heavy Metal. That's what they reckon, Kenny.
1: There you go.
0: Heavy Metal Thunder is one of the lyrics. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a a really good choice. You know, it it gives me hope that one day, just one day, one day they're going to use Link Ray's Rumble, you know, for Raw Rumble. One day, Kenny, they're going to use that number. One for day. the Royal Rumble. You One
1: know, day. I'm going to keep campaigning for it. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, we had a face-off with Gunther and Drew McIntyre, which cemented the match at SummerSlam. Drew wanted to face him right there, right then. but Gunther did not want to face McIntyre in front of the Degenerates. He even brought up, you know, uh, Drew's losses at Clash at the Castle, WrestleMania, um, and they're gonna have Drew goes on to face Ludwig Kaiser on this show. But uh, what did you make of the the promo segment to set up the you know much expected Summerslam match?
0: Yeah, I was amused by it, and you know you can see Gunther's having a riot. You know he's not defending the title in front of these degenerates. Everyone boos and called uh, Drew a failure. He just doesn't get anything done. Um, and then Ludwig Kaiser pipes up when McIntyre was you know, issuing the challenge to Gunter and, you know, belittling him and Ludwig Kaiser steps up and how dare you? How dare you besmirch the ring general? Mm. You know, how dare you besmirch Imperium? And that led to the match, of course. And of course, you know, Drew was going to win, not way, Kaiser was going to beat uh, no. Drew McIntyre before McIntyre faces Gunter. That's just, you know, it's Everybody could see that one coming a mile off. But it was the right match. and It was the right result. And then afterwards, Gunter and Imperium beat down McIntyre. Uh, Matt Riddle ran in, but he got beaten down as well. And then at ringside, uh, Drew made a comeback um, as Gunter was attempting to powerbomb him through the announce desk. And instead, Drew nailed Gunter with a powerbomb. Hell of a powerbomb on the announce desk. The announce desk fell down. Everyone roared. So, yeah, I thought it played out really well. Yeah, you know, superb finish to this segment. And, uh, you know, the only thing about it is that there's just no way Drew can win because Ludwig, you know, he had to beat Ludwig here and that all played out perfectly. But he can't beat Gunter at SummerSlam because if he does, it means that Gunter won't beat the Honky Tonk Man's record. And
1: he's (laughs) got to do that. You know, he's got it's that's that going to be an inevitability. So I was I was going to say because I think one of the things that's really strong about the SummerSlam coming up is there's a lot of matches where it could go either way. I mean, I know with Roman and Jay, it's fairly obvious that Ro- Roman's going to retain. But even with Cody and Brock, you know, th- there will be that kind of niggling doubt of like, will they, will they have Brock win it? Ballard and Rollins is pretty open. The triple threat for with Asuka, Charlotte, and Bianca is pretty open. And with Gunther and Drew, that's the that's going to be the thing of like, please let him be Honky Tonk Man's record. Please let him be Honky Tonk Man's record. He's so yeah. close. Um, but yeah, I think it's shaping up to be a, a big SummerSlam. So
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's the only thing. But that's the only thing that slightly lets this match down because if Gunther had already beaten Honky Tonk Man's record, then it would be feasible that Drew could win. Um, and let's face it, they want Drew to resign. Of course, they
1: don't want to. They they want him to stay. Yes, you know, we know that. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I, he, I'm sure he, like, I'm sure he understands what we've been talking about for ages. That like his Drew's selling power in WWE is going to be as a big heel. That is where the future is. So I'm yeah. sure if that's what they're going to do. You know, we said this before. If he loses to Gunther and then that necessitates a heel turn, I'm sure he understands the value in that. He's done everything he can as a babyface. Yes. So, um, yeah.
0: and and he is still over as a face as well. He had that you know layoff post post WrestleMania, you know, but he's come back. He's come up, come back strong, and people really like this match with Gunter. And maybe that will be you know the catalyst for the heel turn that will trigger him to you know turn to the dark side. Um yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the whole segment. And well, I should mention also earlier on the show we had. Um, uh, Shayna Baszler was interviewed backstage, and she said she was going to fight Ronda Rousey at Summerslam. Um, and I think Baszler was supposed to be a babyface in this interview, but again, it was hard to tell, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, with no crowd and no Ronda there bouncing off of, it was it was tough to tell what uh, Shayna was supposed to be. But I, and I, I th- wonder, with her saying fight, is that is that going to be a step match? Is that going to be like a you know they're going to bring back the the famous Shamrock? Fight pit thing that we used to have, or the you know back in the day, was
0: like the Iron Circle match thing yeah. that they had. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Uh, I mean, that fight pit gimmick is a big construction. I mean, I know they can set it up and everything, but it's a bit of a
1: pain. Part way through the show, isn't it, to set something like that up? Yeah, maybe they. Maybe they should just get get Ken Shamrock in, get him as the referee, <laughs> and do a Lions Den match.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh. maybe, maybe so. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Ken can receive a reprieve. You know, we haven't seen him since. Was it early two thousand? I think it was it late ninety nine. Late, late
1: ninety nine, yeah. And he's, he's very. I mean, look, something. There's got to be something. Everybody else has been brought back, and no Shamrock at any point. Um, but anyway, well, um, he reckons it's a financial thing, doesn't he? It's what he reckons. Yeah. Maybe it's gonna be like a Bill Eady demolition thing because he was never invited back either, was it? But then, because the, I I remember reading in Power Slam, and it, it would have been 2,000, I think, about how there was talks for him to come back again. You know, because like, when he was leaving in 99, he was, he was only going to be leaving for like a year and then he was going to come back. That's it, because he'd been offered all that money. This was when there was
0: huge money to be made from real fighting in Japan, wasn't it? With yeah. pride, I think it was. Yeah. And he was offered tons of money to to go back and fight again. Yeah. Um. But right? right, yeah. Everybody, I think most... I remember at the time people were under the assumption that he would return. And this was, there was this enormous money, like hundreds of thousands of dollars equivalent per fight being offered. And he didn't feel like he could turn it down. And he, he knew he could always go back to pro wrestling when he was older. So I think they all understood why he took this offer and went to fight in Japan. And it was curious that he never returned.
1: Very odd. Um and look, well, so last thing from Raw is we had the contract signing with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. They go back and forth. Obviously, you know this goes back to 2016. That's the story of when Seth Rollins uh, injured Balor when he won the initial Universal Title. And in the end, here we had, you know, Balor sort of say, you know, you're not, you know, I, I've been losing for seven years because of you, because of this seven year itch, and. Um, he then sort of says, but you won't be facing me alone. And then we have Dom, Damien Priest and Rhea Ripley all come from various parts of the arena, down the ramp, through the crowd. And they're all there and it's a four on one and Seth's trying to take them all out and they they take him down. But then Priest, after hitting Seth with the briefcase, is staring at it and then Balor's staring at him to get more of that drama. And then Sami Zayn comes out to try and even the odds. But of course, it's not going to happen. So the judgment day do end up standing tall. Um, I mean, it does, it does give you hope that Balor might actually be successful at SummerSlam, which I didn't think they would get me to a point where I would believe that's a possibility. But I'm starting to come round to the idea that it might happen.
0: The fact that Rollins said Balor had zero chance of winning at SummerSlam was like one of those, you know, leading you down the, you know, the garden path type, the red herring type comments, you yes. know, it's like mm, one of those reverse psychology statements. Mm-hmm. Designed to make you think the reverse of what's actually going to happen. Uh, I thought this was really hot angle to close the show. Um, of course, it was going to descend into violence, and Zayn ran out. You know, we should mention earlier that Kevin Owens had, well, you I think you did mention it earlier that part of the reason that Dominic beat Sami Zayn was that uh Zane was distracted by the sight of Owens in you know near the entrance. He'd been beaten up by Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley, and that was how. Dom was able to score the pin with the traditional fluke roll-up. You know, we we, ne- we never get enough. We can't get enough of that finish. It's the most that devastating the- move in pro wrestling time. <laughs> exactly. The fluke roll-up, it beats everyone. Um, so, But that was the right thing because Zayn needed the... We couldn't have Zayn losing cleanly to Dominic Mysterio, of course. So you know, it made sense that Zane would then run out at the end and he was overmatched by the Judgment Day and the Judgment Day needed that show of force. And, you know, I really like the fact that the Judgment Day had been presented as Raw's version of the Bloodline. You know, they opened the show, they closed the show, they're the main event act. You know, they've been in quite a few main events lately. You know, for a long time, it didn't feel like the Judgment Day were really clicking and really getting over and were really going to make it as a top act. And now they're Thoroughly and properly established. And that also gives me hope, Kenny, that this could be Finn Balor's night and he could become world champion at Somerslam.
1: Which is actually, today as we record this, on Tuesday, it's Finn Balor's 42nd birthday. So, happy birthday to Finn. What a birthday present it would be, a belated one to win the win the title. And um, Yeah, we talked about it before, but I think it would do so much more for Finn to have a one or two month run with it yeah, and it would for Seth to keep it, and I think with Balor, you've you, you've made a guy here who's also going to be in the the big faction on Raw, having that belt with them for a, you know, because if you have them come out the night after SummerSlam or two nights after, with Rhea as the Women's World Champion, Priest is the Briefcase Holder, Dom as the North American Champion, and Finn is the World Champion. Yeah, it just legitimizes them even more. It is. It's like the
0: bloodline, isn't it? When they had all the. When they yep. had the hardware, it's just yep. like Raw's version of that. So it is, I, I mean, yeah, it, I've been wrong with so many predictions <laughs> and um, I think it would be very, i will be disappointed if Balor doesn't win at SummerSlam because it just feels right. And of course it furthers because, I mean, Seth Rollins brought this up, didn't he? He said if you, in the unlikely event that you do win the belt at SummerSlam, you'll hold it very briefly because your Judgment Day partner will cash in the money in the bank contract on you and take the championship from you like the same night or the next night or two nights later or whatever. So, um, you know, that there enters, you know, it furthers that storyline, doesn't it? Will Damien cash in on Finn when he's champ? So I think they would be fools not to make Finn Balor champion at SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, and you can do it in a way where there's interference and Seth does not look like, you know, he's been jobbed out or anything because there's oh, no yeah. way that absolutely yes i think i think that's a, a, a really good move if they do it uh well listen that is all the time we've got for today we will be back on thursday with power slam as always uh we hope you will check us out patreon is the best way you can get more stuff from us more content daily content goes up there sondra and i review dynamite robert and i review collision finn and i do an overrun retro reviews loads of stuff goes up on patreon so do check that out patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes so Finn, we we will be recording another retro pay-per-view shortly won't we yeah later this week hopefully will be uh vengeance 2003 so we'll be organizing that uh, once we get off this um and that'll be up imminently so yeah vengeance 2003 the apa bar room brawl finn (laughs) featuring such luminaries as brother love brooklyn brawler and doink
0: fantastic i can't wait can't wait to relive that one
1: love a single branded pay-per-view um so do us for all that fun over on patreon so thank you very much for all your support and we'll talk to you soon